Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Time for parenting. Joanna Fortune joins us uh, once again. Afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, Here's your first question. I have a three and six year old boys and a new baby boy coming in a few weeks. I'm planning to fake my own death and leave the country. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, that's not actually in the question. Uh, There has always been jealousy and sibling rivalry between the boys, but I feel the main source origin has to be us, the parents. I'm concerned how this will affect my kids' relationship with each other and our relationships with them as they grow. There is constant bickering, tattling, winding each other up. Frustration and emotions go from zero to 100 very quickly, often resulting in hitting and calling each other names and complete meltdowns. As a parent, it's exhausting. I've tried to stay out of all the arguments, but almost always need to step in to separate if it gets physical. I would say my husband finds it harder to stay neutral as one is older and bigger. It's easier to start to place blame and expect too much from him. Do you have any tips on staying neutral? (laughs) What language to use when an argument starts? between the kids and the bigger picture in regards to preventing or dealing with this right now the thoughts of adding a new baby into this dynamic is overwhelming and I want to avoid any previous mistakes and make the transition of the baby into the family as positive as possible I mean oh, okay yeah. so there's a couple of things here when when you say the main source origin of this has to be us the parents and later you say you want to avoid previous mistakes I'm just curious what you think you've done or not mm, done here. Yeah. So I'm not sure, is there something that we're missing or are you taking on a lot of responsibility for something that really is part of sibling dynamics? Sibling yeah. rivalry is there. Now, we can talk about different degrees of it and when it stops being sibling rivalry and it becomes something else. But sibling rivalry, like our, our siblings are our first experience of best friends and enemies. Like we get to work out a whole lot of those social dynamics with siblings. Your guys at the moment are in lots of ways you think, well, it's just three years. And when they're 23 and 20, that's going to be true. But at six and three, that's a world of difference developmentally. Your little guy is very much coming out of that, you know, or still really in that toddler stage, Mm. you know, so he's very much doing that messy sensory play, build them up to knock them down. Your six year old is build them up to become an architect in my head and keep building and keep building and expanding. They're playing in different ways. So they're getting on each other's nerves. They're, you know, misunderstanding each other. There's lots of frustrations going on. I know you're probably listening going, yeah, 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 I know all that. But the the answer is that's how they're getting to know each other. The bit here that I think also jumped out um, for me, Sean, was I've tried to stay out of all arguments. No. I mean, again, if they were older, I'd say for sure you keep yeah, a little bit yeah. of distance. You know, if you had a seven-year-old and a 10-year-old, I'd be saying, you know, use that parental directive. I hear you, but I, I know you guys are going to be able to work it out because if I come in and have to work it out, it's probably going to work out worse for you. So mm. I'm giving you the chance first and you put it on them. But at three and six, you can't stay out of it. They can't work that out themselves. Your three-year-old is not in any way self-regulating, but nor is your six-year-old. So they need you to come in and be the thermostat in the room. It's getting a little hot in here, guys. I'm going to help yeah. you bring this down a few degrees or, you know, it's a bit chilly. You're all very understimulated. That's going to kick off because the not to z- zero to 100 thing is also a bit of a fallacy. Nobody goes zero to 100. If you hit 100, you weren't at zero. You were simmering at 50, 60, <laughs> you know, so there wasn't that big a gap. So look at the simmer point. If they're always kind of bubbling away, then they are going to have those hot moments of bouncing off each other. So what do you do? I'm curious how much time you get to spend together as a family and I'm not putting on that on somebody who in a few weeks is about to have a third child Mm. because you 
quite literally will have your hands full. But spending time together as a family, you know, doing a, an art activity, doing a play activity, getting outside, playing a game of rounders or stuck in the mud or any kind of outdoor games, you know, think as well as spending time together as a family teaches them how to enjoy each other and work together rather than work against each other in play. Then make sure you get both of you. I'm not putting this on the parent that wrote in. um, Both of you get one to one time at some point of the day or certainly week with each of the of the kids so they don't feel they have to fight to pull you in. For attention. Exactly. So, you know, also work on you've got a couple of busy boys there, you know, how much outdoor opportunities are they getting? And I, you know, a lot of people say, oh, but the dark evenings and weathers, I totally get it. Um, But at the same time, wrap them up and use the time you have, that window of daylight after school or after preschool. Get them out, get them active, jumping and burning off some of that energy so that they're not actually getting cabin fever. And that's also adding fuel to the fire that they're bubbling up against each other. Think of a collaborative play project that you can do with a six and three year old. So I'm going to suggest, for example, that you wrap the table. If if it's one of those little play tables, grand. If it's your kitchen table, also grand. Wrap it with wallpaper lining or those art rolls of paper, one of those things. Sellotape it underneath and give them both little paper plates with, you know, paint, crayons, markers, whatever you want to put at it. They can work together, but separately. Mm. They're working on their own little art piece but in a together space. And you're trying to give them opportunities to learn to tolerate each other, but without saying, now here's this one thing you've got to do together because developmentally that's not going to work. Yes, yeah. Yeah. So trying things like that, you know, um, those types of activities should help you. And when all of your well-meaning friends and relatives are about to say to you, let me know if there's anything I can do to help when the baby comes mm. along, you need to have a list prepared now to go, yes, here's a list of things mm. you can do to help pull in some help, activate your network. Because, you know, when there's change like this and no bigger change than a new baby coming into the house, your three and six year old are going to use behaviour, are going to use some of the strategies that kids have. Have as a way of saying, this is a bit much for me. I now have to share you with somebody else. So pulling in people who can take them off for fun outings and get that outdoor time done for you is also a good idea. Yeah. Plus also maybe try and be good to yourself and stop beating yourself yeah, up for this stuff thing kids about, do. You know, I f- we're the main source. Like unless you're sitting there going, I have a particular thing behind that. <laughs> Honestly, unless you're saying fight for our love, uh, go or, on, you kids. Know, <laughs> we just ignore them and that's why they do this. You know, but at the same time, no, be ki- absolutely be kinder to yourself and understand like this is siblings. Yeah, yeah. I'm heartbroken for my daughter. She had her ninth birthday party recently and only two of the seven kids invited agreed to come. One of the mums was genuinely sorry and said they had a family trip planned, but the other four just declined the invitation without any explanation. I know they don't have to give a reason, but my daughter was so sad on the day that she only had two friends for her party. She's been to other parties with 15 and 20 kids at play centres, etc. But we live in a small rented house, so having seven friends over was all we could imagine. Imagine, uh, manage, I should say. I tried to keep her spirits up and make it as special as we could, but she felt rejected and has been crying going into school every day since midterm because she thinks she's not liked. Oh, the poor little thing. It's hard, isn't it? And I, even when you say that, I'm thinking, you know, as a parent, I think there is a lesson in here for all of us to be aware that when we are declining an invitation. We're not declining an invitation. We're declining a child's party and we should respond accordingly. And what I mean by that is, I mean, there's always going to be life things, you know, where you can, there's endless parties and things like that. There are things you cannot go to, but maybe have your child write a card um, 
and or, you know, you could do this in addition or instead of send a little voice note for the child to hear saying happy birthday, sorry, I can't be there thinking of you. So that child knows it's not them that's being rejected, yeah, but that the yeah. party doesn't suit, but they are still being thought about. There, there are ways of declining children's birthday party invitations. Now, it also does sound to me, and I could be slightly out, but looking at the dates and the recent of this, this might have been a midterm party. And I yeah, think sometimes yeah. midterm, summer break, they all can seem like great times to have parties, but they can also be really bad times to have parties uh, because a lot of families are away or have various activities or commitments going on. Mm. So it might be, you know, in a way, I, I don't want this parent to feel badly about this, but it could be a way of maybe going to your child and saying, Do you know what? I thought about it. It was the day we chose to have the party was the issue. Next year, we won't have it on midterm. Next year, we'll do whatever it is I've learned from this. And you can go back and reframe this, that actually the date didn't suit lots of people and they did let us know. So they were thinking of you that they let us know this. All of that said, I do think acknowledge her disappointment and empathize, empathize sorry, that her friends you know, they couldn't make it, but they are still her friends. Um, they turned down the party, not her. I think if I'm nine, I'm going to need you to help me understand that. I'm going to yeah. need you to come back and say, no, no, it wasn't you they were saying no to. It's actually just this. And you know what? That isn't even your friend's decision. Their moms and dads will have made that decision. Their parents will have made that decision because they had plans as a family. So other than that, you know, you could now consider having a small group play date for your daughter, two to three friends of this little cohort that she clearly selected out of the bigger group to come so that she has these friends over. I'm not suggesting you have seven of them over again now, by the way, but <laughs> two to three where she can have those positive play opportunities and just keep an eye on her. But it just sounds like she's disappointed. Yes. And there is yeah. context to her disappointment. And I think as a parent, it's very painful to witness that. But we can support our children through a disappointment in a way that they learn they can manage it. Yeah, I just wonder how they issue the invitations, because usually there's like a parents WhatsApp group that these kind of things go, uh, sure. go through. And then uh, there's text back. Yes, I yeah, can. No, yeah, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. So if it was that, the parents just said no. But they mightn't have done it in a big group WhatsApp is what I'm wondering, because 15 yes, to 20 yeah. kids or however many are in the class, they weren't inviting everyone. So they might have done it privately. Yeah. To individual okay. parents. Yeah. yeah. Even I don't still. know. Yeah, I know there's no, a whole just, politics to parties. Yeah, it just strikes me as weird yeah. that a parent would just say no, no. and not give a reason. Yeah. Uh, it's just very odd, uh, really. Right, my son is 14 and has a BO problem. He's a good-humoured teenager, gives no trouble, puts in a solid effort in school, seems happy. However, he's become quite smelly. He showers regularly, but clearly he's not washing properly. And I've tried to talk to him about it, but he gets really embarrassed and leaves the room. I don't feel like I'm handling this correctly and I worry other kids will start to bully him. Any advice on what I should do? How do we teach a 40-year-old, 14-year-old, <laughs> uh, or 40-year-old? For that one, uh, how to how to shower? Maybe at that age, don't they kind of get a bit? They're hormonal, and there might be a a whiff. Absolutely, like it is very normal. I think I, I imagine this parent knows this too. But having a difficult conversation by definition is difficult. Yes. You know, there isn't a way to kind of say it won't feel difficult. So what you're trying to do is manage the awkwardness so that you don't end up, you know, as is happening here, inadvertently shaming him so that he's like, oh, get away from me. Cringe. I don't mm. want to talk about it. Because if you're smelling him, he's smelling him. He's aware of it, but he might not know what to do with it. So in situations like these, I think it can be helpful to blame ourselves so we don't shame them. OK, yeah, a little bit yeah. of paradox here going, you know what? I've made a mistake. I am so, so sorry. I should have gotten you a different product. 
now that you're older, that your body's changing, that's on me. Here is this antibacterial soap. And what the pharmacy always says is you wash, use it in this certain way and really explaining to him about getting into those pits and bits. OK, yeah. um, into those areas. That's my radio version of that conversation. <laughs> pits yes. and bits. Um, so that you can talk to him in a way and explaining to him, you know, I gave you shower gel, but actually it was the wrong product. It should have been this. That's on me. And while I was in there, you know, I noticed they have deodorants which, of course, we know and you can do it in a way like, of course, we know with him that co-conspiratorial way of they minimize odor and smell. But I also got this antiperspirant because that can minimize actual sweating. So you mm. might want to put one or other of those, use one in the morning, put one in your bag and these antibacterial wipes that if you're feeling like, you know, get you're in school and God, I really love a shower, but I can't get one now. You can use these two. So you're giving him helpful products. I would frame it also by going, I know you're going to want to get away from me and not have this conversation but if we have it now, then it's done and you have all the information and the products that you need. Yes, but yeah. it's on me that I didn't give this to you. So let me make it better. Let me do what I should have done. And you put it that he's doing you a favor by tolerating you and listening to yeah. you. Yeah, do it in the car where they can't escape. That's always a Also winner. that, but the headphone thing, make sure he doesn't have headphones in while yeah, he's in the car, ignoring yeah. you anyway, there but not there, if you know what I mean. I do think, though, do that combination of deodorant, antiperspirant, antibacterial wipes and an antibacterial soap for washing because, in fairness, he has to learn how his body works now and it has changed. Yeah. You know, and, I, you know, it's not something you just know. Like yeah. the, no, indeed not. No. no, people just assume people know. Yeah. I, I imagine the other kids bullying him. Probably the all the other I fourteen doubt he's year olds. The only one smelling. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That I doubt he's the only one. But yeah, I mean, if you're asking, you know, could kids be mean about that? Absolutely. But don't let that just be the reason because you're not doing this so that kids are not mean. You're doing this for his own benefit and his own health yeah. and hygiene, well-being. Yeah. We have an amazing, sensitive little six-year-old boy who can be quite anxious and overthinks things. Recently, he keeps saying that he doesn't look nice and that he doesn't like what he sees when he looks in the mirror. We just assured him he was beautiful and maybe we just felt like he looked different as he had lost his two front teeth and he would get used to it. Whilst reading his story last night, he said people at school told him he doesn't look nice. He's got obsessive about wearing a hat too lately and from the minute he wakes till he sleeps he puts it on and I think it is related to how he feels. He's a twin and I've noticed how people always tell his sister how lovely she looks and not him. So maybe that's the source. But he also had a recent diagnosis of DCD, dyspraxia, so I'm worried that he feels different as he is getting extra supports in school. He seems so young to be so self-aware. How do we help him with this? Oh, he's got a lot going on is, yeah. the, is the crux of this. You know, there's a whole lot here. And actually, children are very self-aware at this age, but particularly when you're a sensitive little guy. And actually, you know, he's feeling even perceived comments or perceived slights. He's feeling those very deeply. And you just have to believe him. Mm, uh, so, yeah. you know, the rush, the temptation is always to, you know, like it says here, oh, no, 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 you're beautiful. You're this. Do you know what it is? It's just your teeth. And I totally get that. But what he's hearing that is, it doesn't feel like that. So your words don't match how I'm feeling. And if how I'm feeling is great and beautiful, no, that does not making sense. And I'm not saying now you go in and go, go on, tell me how awful you are. Yes. Give me that. Not, of course it's not. But it's that bit of, you know, oh my goodness, you know, 
I'm hearing that the story you tell yourself when you're looking at yourself or thinking of yourself is and you give him back what you're understanding, he says. Hmm. Two things that allows him to go, no, that's not quite what I said and correct you. But it also just gives you a little bit of time because after you've acknowledged, OK, you're telling me the story you tell yourself is that you're bad, you're this, you're the other. And you know what's interesting? When I look at you, the story I tell myself is that you're great, you're funny, you're kind, you're smart, you're friendly and focus on what his body does rather yeah. than just how it looks yeah. and give him that back and go, see, so when we, when you think of you and I think of you, we tell each other different stories and I'm wondering when those thoughts are bothering you, could you pause and say, what would mom or dad's story be right now and tell yourself my story just in the moment. Mm. And then you're going to check in with him every day about how his day was. Always invite that, you know, what was the highlight of the day, the best thing that happened? What was the thing you wish you could change? If you had a magic wand, what would you do differently kind of idea? So that you're getting those highs and lows from him, but in a reframed way that he's thinking of how could it have gone differently? I would just mention maybe to the teacher just to keep a special eye, kind of giving a handle with care notice. He's having a sensitive time. He's having a tough time. There's a lot going on for him with this recent diagnosis and him understanding himself and how he works and fits in the world. Could the teacher keep a special eye on him? Because if there is anything happening in the classroom, you might need to know that. But I mean, when you say kids tell you they you don't look nice, I mean, if a six-year-old says to another six-year-old, do you think I look nice? And they go, no, not particularly. <laughs> like that's, you know, that's not intended yeah, as a, yeah. so don't kind of put two and two together and go, oh my goodness, it's bullying too. Don't jump to that. Get curious before we get certain about that kind of thing. So I think if you give him that, I also just want you though to listen to him, empathise with him, accept how he's feeling and wonder with him, how can I help you with this? Is there something you'd like me to do? And just a broad note, Sean, like people greet his sister saying she's beautiful. So adults, stop doing that. Like, you know, you're general, right. I only, stop doing yeah, that. And it only happens to little girls. Oh little girls get told they're gorgeous all the time and little boys never do. And even that, like, it's just not helpful for yeah. anybody, by the way. So it's not even a message to go, now say it to everybody. Just don't. Like, instead, say, you look really smart. What book are you reading? Uh, those look like strong legs you have. How high can you jump? Like, reframe that into not how your body looks, but what your body can do. Mm. And if you say to a small child, you know, you look smart what book you're reading they're going to engage with you they're going to like oh you're interested in me and let me tell you what interests me you're actually promoting connection there with the beautiful thing you're promoting a twirl Mm. or a curtsy or a thank you and it's just so let's all just stop doing that yeah Joanna thanks a million as ever Joanna Fortune there Moncrief brought to you by Avant Money think you're getting the best value from your bank think again weekdays at 2pm on News Talk